We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. and welcome to today's Kilkenny Today with myself, Maurice O'Connor, here with you on Community Radio Kilkenny City from now until as close to six o'clock as exactly six o'clock as we can get you between myself and Mick Commons, who's down in the studio running the desk for me. In fact, I was just saying to Mick short while before we came on air, um, thanks to Liam Langrell for the music for the last while in the afternoon. It's like as if he reserves, keeps the rousing music till just before the end, as if he's like trying to either wake me up or wake all of you up uh, before Kilkenny Today comes on. But anyway, fair dues to um, to uh, Liam for that and uh, thanks to him for the, uh, the show. It's been great, as usual. Anyway, uh, on to today's Kilkenny Today, towards the end of the show, if you thought or if you thought you had some idea about the importance of vitamin D in your life uh, for your body and uh, you thought you knew something about vitamin D, well, uh, think again, because we'll be hearing from Dr. Mary McCreary, who's a dietitian in the BlackRock Clinic, and she'll be telling us about some research that's just been carried out into the awareness levels of people uh, in relation to vitamin D. Um, so that's towards the, the end of the show, probably about uh, 20 to a quarter to six or, there, or thereabouts. Uh, before that, we'll have ads, of course. And uh, before that, we'll have Dee Murphy from the Kirshnoor Centre, who's uh, volunteering with the Kirshnoor Centre and is uh, going to be on to tell us about the latest um, fundraising uh, events that have been organised on behalf of uh, Kirshnoor. We'll have weather as well. No parish news, of course, uh, today. Again, it's probably don't need to be telling you at this point, but um, just in case you're expecting it, uh, we don't have any, but we will bring it back to you as soon as there's, there is parish news to bring you, although that could be uh, quite a while by the sound of things from uh, recent announcements from government about lifting the or not lifting the restrictions uh, to do with COVID-19. Anyway, all that later on. Uh, but first, I'm delighted to be joined by Councillor Deirdre Cullen from Fianna Foyle. Good afternoon, Deirdre. How are you? Afternoon, Morris. I'm, I'm great. And yourself? I'm grand. I'm grand. I think we're all probably, I was about to say, we're all probably just um, putting in one day at a time and hoping to get through that one and then on to the next one and the next one and um, waiting for waiting for the day when we don't have to count the days to the end of restrictions. I'm sure you're a bit like that yourself, are you? Oh, gosh, absolutely. Um yeah, it is. It is certainly one day at a time. You know, whether you, you have kids at home or you're trying to do a bit of work or um, just just get on with it, or even just punching in the time. Um, many of us are busy. Some are 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 are, are looking for things to do because we're all in confinement of our own homes. But um, yeah, it's very very tough going, Morris. I think this lockdown has been uh, harder than the previous two by by a long mile. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's it's the weather or um, what have you, but um, I certainly find, and I find it with, with a lot of my students, I think people are struggling a little bit more this time um, than, yeah. they, than they have been previously, you know. And I wonder, is it because, uh, you know, because we kind of knew um, what we were in for, you know, just after Christmas, and uh, whereas this nearly this time last year, or March last year anyway, um, 
everything was all a bit new. I mean, it was not, it's not a very positive or fun novelty value, but there was a certain kind of unknown and somewhat of a novelty about it. There wasn't any prospect. We had no idea really how long it was going to go on for. Uh, but now I think everybody knows and it's nearly like down to, yeah, as we say, get through each day at a time and um, then worry about the next one. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, even listening to what Michal Martin had to had to say in an interview, I think, um, you know, we've all resigned ourselves to the fact that this lockdown certainly is going to be longer than, than, than the previous two, and it needs to be. Um, we, we've got to get it right this time. We can't envisage or even dread a, a, another lockdown after this. This has to be the, the last one for us. And as a result, I mean... As, as we can see, it really is going to be um, a slow and uh, a, a slow pace of, of an opening up, and it has to be, doesn't it? Um, mm. You know, we, we, we can't be back here again. I, I don't think people are able for it. In, no, uh, it, no. It, it, it's very it's very hard going. It's hard going no matter what age you are, whatever situation you're in. Mm. But mm. Uh, you know, it really there is light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I heard from my mother this morning, and she's getting her vaccine next week, and and that's tremendous news to hear. So there is there is some light coming for us um, in terms of the vaccination. Indeed, but, yes, um, yeah. This has got to be it's got to be the last one, and as a result, it's going to be the slowest pace. I I, I yeah, believe. Yeah, yeah. I think my own mother's in the same situation. Saturday of next week, I think she's looking forward to it. But um, let's talk for a little bit, uh, Deirdre, about your own uh, particular area of, of expertise and work. Not not you, your role as a counsellor, but your role as an educator. Uh, just first off, like how is it? How has it been for you over the last nearly a year, near give or take a, a few weeks? Really, we had, as I say, the first lockdown. Nobody in schools. Um, then the summer holidays came along. Eventually, then we had um, the, the term leading up to Christmas, which was somewhat normal maybe in schools but with all sorts of precautions in place and now we're back to no in-school teaching since um, the, the the start of this current term so a lot lots of change yeah huge amount of change um last May, last march when the schools closed it was a shock no no doubt about it um we had to kick in with our remote teaching and learning and um that was a huge change you know not just for teachers but but more importantly for the students and um, they got on with it. I, I mean, huge credit should go to them uh, at, at every turn and all of this. They, they really adapted. Unfortunately, as we know, there, we, we have this digital divide and um, it, remote learning has suited some. It hasn't suited others. There's been many um, obstacles put in the way of, of students, whether it's um, lack of devices, um, uh, poor or in some cases, uh, non-existent broadband. And I think, you know, th this time around, we were, you know, we were given funding from the Department of Education, and we were able to give out devices um, through through our schools in order to, um, you know, to, to make up for the shortcomings of students having to use mo mo having to use mobile phones, etc. But uh, there's very little you can do for a family that having broadband. You can give them all the devices that that you have. Um, so it it has it has broadened the, the educational divide. Um, it certainly, in my opinion, it's, it's contributed to educational disadvantage for, for many students. Um, mm. That's something we haven't been able to avoid, unfortunately, uh, as best prepared as we were even this time around with the schools closing after Christmas. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we can't prepare for that. But, um, you know, we've, we've gotten on with it. Students have, have played a blinder, I have to say, but there's no substitute whatsoever for um, 
for, for being able to be in a classroom and be face to face with your students. Yeah, so yeah. I've heard of it. I've heard of at least one student anyway, Deirdre, actually saying to me, um, which might seem strange, but you you probably heard the same that that actually they quite enjoy. The, um, the learning at home experience and, and this particular person was, was talking to us, it was because that, you know there wasn't the distraction of people around them in school, there wasn't the hustle and bustle of legging it from one classroom to the next between classes and, and all of that and okay there was the lack of the social connection and the immediacy of being in the class with the teacher but like the, so there, there, there probably are a few people out there maybe in a substantial number that um, actually will do okay yeah, to be wrong to say it has to suited everybody. And I think there is a, a little bit of a misconception out there that students aren't, aren't, aren't able to do as much work. I mean, if you have everything in place and you have your broadband, you have your devices, um, you know, students have been able to keep up uh, as best they can with their, their coursework. Certainly, they, they have an awful lot to do with what teachers are posting and with their live uh, online classes every day. So, yeah, it mm. has suited, suited some. Unfortunately, I think... You know, behind it all, we have an issue, Morris, and, uh, you know, it's not that we hadn't this before COVID, but it's certainly been heightened, which is the difficulty around anxiety and mental health issues with younger people. Um, I I can see that in my own uh, line of work as a homeschool liaison uh, coordinator, and it is um, something that's very worrying. Um, A lot of people are struggling, a lot of students are struggling, being, being confined to uh, lockdown and not being able to see their friends, not being able to interact with their pair, peers. Um, mm-hmm. But as I said, you know, we, we had the, the, the huge issue of, of anxiety amongst uh, students before COVID ever came along, but but it has exacerbated it yeah, by, by, yeah. by quite a long shot. And that, that is the difficulty that we will be facing down the road. And it, it's not one that we should... Um, that, that we shouldn't be prepared for, that we, that, yeah. that we need to bury our head in the sand. It's going to be a factor, no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard all right, um, teachers saying that, you know, they, they do miss and they notice the absence of that kind of ability yeah. to pick up on the body language of students and just have to ask, how's it going? And maybe repeat the question a little while later if, if you don't get a very um, a kind of outcoming answer. And, yeah. you know, that, and, that kind and of thing you just can't do over the screen. No, and in schools as well, it's not just about the academic or, or getting through a curriculum. Um, you know, we look after the holistic side side of the student as well, and, and in terms of well-being and our guidance counsellors, etc. There's there's an awful lot that we can see and that we can we can um, pinpoint with a student if they're if if we see that they're they're not their usual bubbly self or they're not themselves mm-hmm. in in general. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's very hard to do that when you're operating on Microsoft Teams and you're relying on just comments coming through and. Um, and, you know, in terms of kids relying on, on, on school meals when they come into school, I know we have our, our school meals programme still operating, whereby we're distributing food parcels to, to those that need it most. But um, there's an awful lot more that benefits the students than, than merely uh, the academic in schools, and that's what they're yeah. missing out on hugely. Yeah. But look, so, uh, please God, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you know, the leaders, yeah. first, we hope, will be back. Well, can we, we move on to that, that side of things, actually, Deirdre? Um, yeah. That, because, yeah, there's, there's a couple of aspects to it. I suppose the first of it, really, before we get on to the exams, is just the, the phased reopening of schools. Have you any particular reactions to to that, like from your own experiences that, you know, with six years coming in first and having a couple of weeks and then after that, I'm not sure exactly what's planned to happen or I don't know if you are, but um, what's your reaction? What sort of thoughts do you have on how that, how that will pan out? Yeah, it's looking like the six years will be back the beginning of March. I actually would have liked to have seen them back next week. Um, 
uh, you know, it's very important that they get back uh, to schools because, as we know now, there will be a leaving certificate examination. Uh, uh, and with the option of the state examination commission accredited grades, so it's really vital the leaving certs do get back into the classroom. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm 100% behind that. And, you know, I, I understand that for, for the rest of the year groups, it will be on a phased basis. And, and the idea behind that, uh, you know, from the government and from the, the NEFID advice is that we don't have um, a huge amount of, of people on the move, uh, you know, all of a sudden at the one time. So it, it needs mm-hmm. to be phased basis. Yeah. Um, the leaving certs back first, rightly so. But I, I would be hoping that um, you know, quite quickly afterwards, that the, the rest of the school body would be able to come back. Um, yeah, it seems not, to be. Yeah, it seems to be down, down to. I think, it's, from what I understand, it's it's around um, giving the the school a chance to uh, kind of observe what the reaction is, or the the country in general, or an effort as well to observe like how how things go and whether or not um, the much more infectious um, strain of virus that's uh, predominant now is having a, a different impact on schools than maybe the in the the start of the the term just after the end of the summer holidays. So. Um, hopefully it, it will work and as you say things will get back uh, sooner rather than later and then just yes. as you mentioned the state exams there and particularly the leaving cert um, is, is there enough clarity around what, what the plan is that you, you do, do as far as you've heard feedback from students and indeed parents and guardians do they understand what's happening and how it's all going to work? I, I think so um, um, I, I'm putting out information myself about it I think th- there's perhaps a little bit of confusion or there had been um, but really, it, 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 it is what it is to say that there will be um, a leaving certificate paper. And the, it's different in terms of the, the predictive grading this year. There will be um, accredited grades. And um, the one thing in all this is, and I had said it from the very beginning, you know, it's, it's the student voice was, it was, to me, the most important thing in all of this. Mm-hmm. And the students um, themselves wanted choice. That was their main consideration. They just they wanted choice. Uh, because every student has been affected differently as a result of, of um, remote teaching and learning. So the yeah. choice is there now. And, uh, you know, you have the, the, you can go for your accredited uh, grades option. Uh, you can sit the paper. You can do both. And at the end of mm. the day, then, the, the results that will come out will be the higher of the two. And it, I think it, it does please both. Uh, the feedback I'm getting from students is that, yes, that, that is what they asked for. And um, the system is there now. Uh, I think the, the question mark that people, that, that students and maybe parents had was perhaps over the, the orals and the practicals. Um, and, and to say it won't be possible, I believe, to hold um, uh, all of the practical examinations, some of them in, in a small number of subjects, because of COVID-related restrictions, won't be able to go ahead. Um, you know, but the proportion of marks uh, normally allocated for those practical exams, they will be reallocated to the coursework assessment components uh, and uh, so, the yeah, written exams. I can, I can you see know. some some students maybe being happy enough with that, and others not, because as, as you know, yourself, there's a huge variety. Some people yeah. just do better practical stuff; other people are better at written, and and, and others would prefer uh, the, the whole calculated grades anyway, um, because yeah. they, maybe they don't perform to their best on on in the pressure of a 
two or three or four hour exam, whatever it is. Um, is it, and as you say, the students um, got their, their, their say in it, which personally I think was a good idea. It sounds like you agree with me. I was quite surprised to hear that prominent GA commentator, Colm O'Rourke, and of course secondary school principal himself, um, strongly disagreeing with the idea of students having their voice to them. That was uh, quite, as I say, I found uh, quite very, very surprising, to be quite honest. I don't know, had you, did you hear him or did you have any I, reaction? I heard, I, yeah, I heard a little bit of it. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I would firmly disagree with him. I, I think that the, obviously the, the most important people in all of this are the students. And, and it, it's those that, and, and there needed to be a fair and equity, equitable system for them. They're the ones that uh, have been through the mail here. Uh, and, you know, as I said, level of anxiety, uncertainty, really and truly, it's been horrendous on them. Um, there is now, I, I believe, the fairest, I'm not saying it is a fair, but the fairest outcome, I think, for those students. And, you know, the most important aspect for them is that they, there is a clear pathway now for them to go on to further ed, the world of mm. work or, or higher education. I mean, that is, that is really what they're all aspiring to. And we have, our, uh, we have this, you know, this outcome now, this decision made finally as, as regards the, the makeup of the way the legal certificate yeah. is going I to pan suppose, out. And yeah. I suppose, Deirdre, um, like it's you know, it's um, no no outcome was ever going to be perfect and universally acclaimed. And in fact, I suppose um, lots of people would say the leaving cert is far from perfect anyway in its traditional yeah, I would agree. form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, there, there, there's also, of course, the issue of I think quite a large number of um, previous year students who are going to be or have already applied through the CAO for college places in 2021. That's going to um, possibly make it harder for for this year's group of, of students who want to progress onto third level. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we did have that that difficulty last year as well. I know that that Minister Simon Harris did allocate extra um, third level places. Um, th- that is going to be an issue this time around as well. But in terms of the results system, I think it, it with the accredited grades system, it is going to go through the state examinations commission. And, you know, this may include national data on past leaving certificate and junior search examination performance. Mm. And that will mean that, you know, that there will be a a fair system to take into consideration those that perhaps have deferred from previous years. Um, There's always the, 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 I suppose, the worry that there's going to be um, heightened results, you know, but uh, with this system, that shouldn't be the case. There was only a 4%. Uh, margin there last year, so mm. it should be a fair enough system for those that that have deferred yeah. from last year, the year before, and that be. But of course, as with everything else, it is um, availability of college courses. I would Indeed. I would love to see that happening again. That extra places will be made available in in, in particularly that that the, those courses right. that are in higher demand. Just uh, sorry to cut across you there. Just before we let you go, then I assume that you know, yourself and your counterparts in other schools involved in homeschool liaison are, are still available to both students and parents. Um, just any closing words of advice or, or thoughts to them as they maybe some of them prepared to, school, to come back to school and others are still waiting. Yeah, absolutely. Look, in terms of those, particularly for the leave insert, my advice would be. Just to make sure to keep working because you're 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 striving now towards a written paper. If if that's what you choose to do, I would advise students to take that written paper. Uh, for those that are leaning more on the accredited grades um, only, um, you you still need to keep working hard because certainly from the teachers' point of view, um, you know they will be taken into consideration, um, work handed in, etc. So now is not the time 
to relax in any shape or form because it's all going to be taken into consideration. To the other students who are waiting to come back, and uh, I know what it's like, I'm at, I'm at home waiting to get back into the school. It is hard on them all. I think we, we, we all need to give them huge, huge credit and are well done thus far. But continue with the online and please God, at least by, by Easter, you know, we'll have more of an idea okay. when the rest of the classes can go back. Nice, but just lovely. to keep working hard and uh, it, it, isn't, it hasn't been easy on them, but um, well done to, to everybody thus far. Look, we better we better leave it there. Thanks a million for joining us here today, Deirdre, and have a, have a good weekend, and hopefully uh, you'll get back yourself to a more normal working pattern as soon as possible. Thanks a absolutely. million. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, Morris. You're very welcome. Take care. That was Councillor Deirdre Cullen from Fianna Fáil, of course, Deirdre representing the Thomastown local electoral area in the county here. Um, now we better take an ad break. It's uh, 25 past five, probably a few minutes over the, the time we should have been taking on a couple of minutes ago. But do stay with us here on Community Radio Kilkenny City with myself, Morris O'Connor. On today's Kilkenny Today, of course, and in a couple of minutes' time, we'll be back with you just after these. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. Nicholas O'Brien and Shaw. Curra and Ish Steve, Eshtaklum, a radio fobble car kilkinig, eighty eight point seven FM, a Renee Clog, Goss Saharan, nor a big mea kind, fi Kursi Atula. Marshin, Faltuka Kyolagas Kora, Goss Saharan, a radio fobble car kilkinig, eighty eight point seven FM, a Renee Clog, Le Oriot or Sam Hyrie Chadwicks. Community Radio, Kilkenny City, keeping you company on 88.7 FM. Kilkenny Today on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM with Morris O'Connor. Kilkenny's weather on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Community Radio, Kilkenny City, spit the pot. If you're not in, you cannot win. You certainly can't, and thanks to all our Split the Pot supporters there for the last over the last year since we launched it. It's been fantastic. Keep on splitting the pot and to putting in your two euros every week, or more if you like. You're, you're very welcome to contribute as much as you want. Anyway, um, Dee Murphy, how are you doing? Hello, Morris, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank, thanks for hanging on the line there for us. Sorry we kept you waiting for a few minutes longer than I'd intended to. It's lovely to, to have you back on the show again. Um, how have things been for you throughout the last year or so? I think the last time I had a look at your Facebook page, you were talking about, well, this is last spring, I think, talking about doing a fundraiser um, to go and uh, walk the Camino. And uh, how did that all work out? Well, COVID could pay to that, like it did to all our other towns. Um, look, it's still very much on the cards. We we still have the people who originally signed up. We contacted them to say, look, obviously nothing would be happening in 2020. Hopefully, 2021. Now we don't even know if that's going to happen. But we contacted everyone and said, look, are you happy to still have your name on the list and to still, you know. Um, commit to the Camino and everybody came back and said yes. Yeah, so everybody's not, happy not to wait. Charity. Yeah. Not the only charity that has that yeah. um, outdoor and group activities like walks uh-huh. disrupted. Um, uh-huh. But um, your, yourself and your, your colleagues and other volunteers in, involved in fundraising for Kushnor, of course I should have mentioned you were with um, at the start when we introduced you. Um, you haven't been sitting back on your hunkers. You've now got another uh, smashing sounding idea. Tell us about it. Well, Marion Flannery and I were having a chat a couple of weeks ago and she was telling me about this 
um, big green Kilkenny knit challenge that she was going to hold for part of the celebrations of the St. Patrick's Day Festival Parade. And she asked if Kushnor would be interested in coming on board. And of course we were. So um, basically we're asking people to knit a nice green scarf, which you can donate to somebody that you love or gift somebody you love, I should say, or donate to Kushnor. And we will sell the scarf and it will raise some funds for Kushnor. It's more a bit of a, a fun kind of type um fundraiser for us. It's really just to get people a bit involved, to get people doing something because they're sitting at home not doing much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, if, if this, yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's kind of like a perfect time, really, in the middle of a pandemic yeah. lockdown to sit back oh, well, and do some knitting if you can. Yeah, I thought it was a great idea until I started knitting my scarf yesterday and realised I have no clue how to knit. Well, actually, that was going to be my next question, Dee. I mean, yeah, do you do you knit yourself? Are you a knitter? I no, was asked to, we were asked to knit a tank top in presentation secondary back, I don't want to, I don't want to care to say how long ago that was. And I remember my mum cast on the stitches for me. I'd say I knit around three lines of knitting and then I threw it back at my mum and she finished it. So that's the extent yeah. of my knitting craft. <laughs> are you a bit challenged in the patience department, were you? Just <laughs> a tad. Just a yeah. tad. Like I thought, I'm going to nail this. I'm going to be fabulous at this. And I'll have it done in 20 minutes. So yeah, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a real classic case though, isn't it? Of of anything that's done really well, um, really looks easy, but then you actually start trying it yourself and you think, yeah. oh, there's an awful lot more to this than yeah. I thought. I'm not going to stand by the quality of my finished scarf, but a lot of love and time and effort will have got into it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you can always kind of sew on a little if you're up to it. Sew on a little label with your own name on it, so people know who's who are the who are the producers as well. I don't know. Yeah, like we love we love if people would personalise them. We've managed to to persuade gently our Kushner ambassadors, Ivan Quillen and Jackie Tyrrell, to knit a scarf, and also oh, right. we've also managed to persuade the lovely Edward Hayden to knit us a scarf. So what we're going to do is we'd like to get them to maybe personalize it in some way and we will have those scarves uh, available to bid on so people can send in their bids for jackie Ivan or edward scarf um, mm. and whoever bids the highest will get it and it would be a nice present for somebody yeah maybe they'd need to see uh, the the different produce from edward and uh, and uh, jackie in particular i don't, I don't yeah, know well, we Van, last though. I, was, I was talking to her recently i don't know we weren't we didn't get onto the subject of knitting but uh, <laughs> they've started I've, I've been told that they've all started and we've asked them to give updates on their social media every week so we should be seeing some type of updates over the next day or two i'm I'd most interested to see jackie's <laughs> I'd say there could be some fun. Yeah, do you have to tell them absolutely no, no black and amber's definitely green. Uh, well, I might, some might sneak in there somewhere. You never know. But I have no fear for Ivan because everything Ivan puts her hand to, she seems to be amazing at. And Edward is a champion knitter, so I can't is wait he? to see his uh, creation. He's a champion knitter, is he? He's a champion knitter. Apparently, I only found this oh out last week. Yeah, so he's Multi won actual awards man. for knitting. Really? Multi-talented yeah. <laughs> man, goodness me. Well, that's great to see that there's no sexism involved in this particular um, Absolutely uh, Big not. Green Kilkenny Knit Challenge. So if there's any, We're any, an, equal, uh, men. an equal opportunity. Uh, 
knitting group. Knitting group, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sounds like a lovely, uh, lovely kind of fundraiser, and I suppose uh, Marion's probably yeah, delighted that she's that she's got yeah. all of yourselves and uh, in Kushnoor on board. Has, um, yeah, I'm sure it'll add, add a bit of spark to the the different kind of St. Patrick's Festival that we're going to, to have this year and hopefully yeah. in fact there's probably a very I'm sure you have access to a very large community of, uh, of people that you've been kind of uh, working with and in contact with through the auspices of Kushnoor as well to get involved. Yeah well there we've so many people who are behind, behind the scenes who are just prepped and ready to try and help in any way they can. Um, luckily we get great support from the people of Kilkenny. This has been a really 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 tough year um, we had lots of plans for social events and fundraising events for 2020. Um, and obviously, we never really knew what was ahead of us this year. It's looking like we're not going to just carry over everything that we were going to do last year. We're going to try and do something towards the end of the year if we can. Um, but obviously, until we know where we are in the summer, we can't really... We can't really press the go button on anything at the minute. So yeah, we're completely yeah. dependent on people's generosity. And we understand that this is a very hard time for absolutely everybody. Um, and we're just trying to do the best we can with very limited resources. Yeah, and of course, I'm sure it, um, you, you're well able to and quite happy to accept online donations and people dropping in a few bob in an envelope or something anyway in the meantime. Look, whatever, if you have anything that you could spare, we will gladly take it from you. We are still operating. It's obviously a very different service. We don't have the office open um, like we would have had, but we're still taking phone calls. We're still giving lymphedema massages to people who need them. So there is a level of service still going on. Um, under COVID regulations um, but mm. because we've literally had no fundraising for the last year we're really we're really strapped to be perfectly yeah. honest yeah. so we've an uphill climb ahead of us to try and raise some funds this year um, just so we can keep going and we can keep kind of helping people who need us mm-hmm. um, just, you know, it's one of these things I suppose you you, you you would have hoped that the state would step in and uh, fill the gap, but uh, the state should probably have stepped in and made sure there was no gap in relation to the kind of service that Kushnoor provide anyway in the first place. I know, and if, if we thought too hard about that, I think we'd just get too disheartened because you would love more support from the state, but everybody's looking for support from the state. Everybody's cause is important. Everybody's cause is worthy. So at the end of the day, we just have to pull our bootstraps up and raise funds ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I know you've been through your own um, cancer journey, and you, you got—I think you got an all clear there, just Christmas twenty nine or there thereabouts. Um, yeah, yeah. Which of course was, was great. My cancer and, year. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, you know, so you're, you're you're kind of intimately familiar with the, the cancer journey and the treatment journey. So have you been hearing from people, um, you know, with living with cancer themselves who've had that kind of journey interrupted in the last year because of COVID and restrictions and getting in and out of hospitals or for treatments or whatever. Well, luckily, anybody that I have spoken to who's either in the middle of treatment or at the start, they haven't... Okay, it's a very different um, environment that they're getting treatment in. There's a lot more precautions and and, uh, restrictions in place. But I haven't heard from anybody personally that it's really affected the treatment. Obviously, it's affected the fact that that you can't really go out so because when, when you're on chemotherapy in particular, your immune system is on the floor. So all these people who are questioning mask wearing, 
therapist for somebody who has an illness or somebody who's going through chemotherapy. And a lot of people who are going through chemotherapy or some cancer treatment, it's not obvious to people. You know, mm. not all of us lose our hair. Not all of us are very obviously sick looking. But there's a lot of people walking around in the world who are dealing with illness. So they are trying to stay home. They're trying to stay well. They're trying to make sure they don't get COVID. And it's a lot tougher from that perspective. So the treatment yeah. is pretty much the same, but you're so much more restricted. Like when I had my chemotherapy and my radiotherapy and my surgery, I could still go into town for a walk without any worries. Now there's a whole other level of worry put upon put upon people who are ill mm. or going mm. through treatments that wasn't I, before. And I haven't tough. heard I haven't heard any mention, Deirdre, of. Um you know, in, in relation to the vaccine rollout program, the COVID-19 vaccine rollout program of um, kind of prioritization or do, do, do people currently undergoing cancer treatment, are they are they kind of higher up the lists than their age or other circumstances might suggest? I, I don't actually officially know if they're officially higher up the list. You know, it seems to be um, really the talk is mainly about age. And I understand that. We want to vaccinate our older, vulnerable people first. But um, you would hope that when we get to a level where we're getting the most vulnerable people vaccinated and the numbers of vaccinations are going up, that you would hope that people who have a pre-existing condition or a cancer patient would be next on the list. But mm. there is no hard and fast kind of rules that have come out about that. Because it would seem that, given that, you know, as you mentioned, I think uh, people undergoing cancer treatment would be a bit immunocompromised, that they'd be Very obvious so. candidates for, for moving up the list to purely because uh -huh. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Very much so. Like, you're, the only time I ended up in hospital when I was getting my treatment was when my immune system was shot and it was on the floor and they had to bring me in to kind of get my blood count back up again. That's a really mm -hmm. common problem with people going through chemotherapy. So you really have to be so protective of yourself. Um, and it's just, it's made so much tougher by all of this. It really yeah, is. So and just um, before we let you go then, uh, Deirdre, um, back to the, the big green Kilkenny knit challenge for a moment. Um, how, do, how does anybody get involved who wants to try and uh, just throw together a scarf or who could toss them off in their sleep? There's probably lots of people out there who <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people well. who could knit off a couple. Um, okay, well, yeah. the easiest thing to do is to look to our social media channels. So the St. Patrick's Day Festival uh, Facebook account or their Instagram or their Twitter account, all the details are on there. We also have all the details on cushnor.ie or our Instagram and Facebook pages as well. And Cushendale Woolen Mills, uh, they have, they've done up a, a knit kit especially for us. And you can use a discount code KKNIT that will give you 15% off um, whatever you Oh, that's very generous of them. Yeah, great. I think there may be there may be some of the listeners who mightn't be too tech savvy and um, are kind of on the wrong side of the digital divide we were talking with Deirdre Cullen about there earlier on in the show. Is there a phone number that people could ring up if they want to get involved? Uh, so there is a phone number and phone I don't number, have it in probably. front of me. Sorry, you yeah, have we'll, to pass it on to you and you can give it out later on in the show, Mark. Grand, or, I'll get, or maybe I'll just get the Kushner phone number off the website during the next yeah. outbreak. I had my laptop, then? but it's decided to die while I'm on the phone. No, dear. <laughs> Inconvenient anyway. Well, look, you won't need the laptop for the knitting. You'll be grand. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see what the end result looks like. All right. Look, we'll leave you go with that. Thanks, thanks a million for joining us and uh, wishing you all the best with a great, for great success. We'll be looking out for all the, the green scarves appear popping up all over town. And you might knit one yourself, Mark. Oh, no, don't even ask. <laughs>
thank you so All much, right. Take care, Dee. Thanks a million okay, for joining bye-bye. us. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, that was Dee Murphy there who's fundraising a volunteer or chairperson, a coordinator I'm not sure what her official title is with Kushnor but we will get a number for you for, for Kushnor if you um, if you can't uh, get onto the St. Patrick's Day Festival website or indeed kushnor.ie um, you, you can you can avail of uh, we'll get you we'll get you a number anyway and uh, the discount code for Cushendale, if you're getting uh, their availing of their knit kit, is KK knit, so K K K N I T, I presume. Um, so anyway, it's now 44 minutes, uh, 16 minutes to six o'clock. We better take our second ad break, and uh, we'll be back with a conversation I recorded earlier on with Dr. Mary McCreary, who's a dietitian with Blackrock Clinic, all around uh, the results of some research that was carried out recently, and uh, results are only um, announced today, actually, into the awareness amongst the general public around vitamin D and its importance and its impact on our bodies, both having it or, or not having it, as the case may be. Anyway, do stay with us. We'll be back with you in a couple of minutes' time, just after these messages. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Kilkenny Today on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM with Maurice O'Connor. Welcome back. About 12 minutes to 6 o'clock here on Kilkenny today. And of course, do stay with us during the rest of the evening after I leave you at about 6. Uh, we'll have the Angelus, of course, Community Diary, Friday Talk Sport uh, between 6 and 7. And Kilkenny Communities in Action with Paul Rofrey on the, and the team from 7 to 8.30 and on into the evening. We'll be finishing off at midnight here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. Now, um, new research findings released today reveal that people are confused about how to get enough vitamin D um, research conducted on behalf of Yakult Light, for example, reveals that 71% of Irish people incorrectly think that it's possible to get adequate vitamin D all year round through exposure to sunlight. And I was joined earlier on in the after this morning by Dr. Mary McCreary, McCreary, who's a dietitian in the Blackrock Clinic, to shed some light on that research and what it was all about. Um, Dr. Prairie, uh, State Registered Dietitian Nutritionist in the Blackrock Clinic in Dublin. Thanks for joining us here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. Mary, I believe there's been new research findings just released today revealing that people are very confused about how to get enough vitamin D into themselves. Um, can you just briefly talk to us first of all about the importance of vitamin D to our bodies and then what the research findings are, are telling you? Okay, well, there there is um, a lot of, um, I wouldn't say conflict, but uh, a, a change of opinion or difference of opinion between, say, the government guidelines about what we need on vitamin D and what the researchers who are doing all the work into vitamin D at the moment. Now, Yakko Light, which is a dairy product that's enriched with vitamin D, decided to do this research to see what did Irish people actually know about vitamin D. And surprisingly, 71% of the Irish population actually thought that you can get vitamin D from the sunshine all year round, which actually we can't do because we are in the Northern Hemisphere. We can only absorb vitamin D um, during the summer months. So the advice is there already that people who are over the age of 55 should be taking a vitamin D supplement all year round, whereas during the summer months, the younger population tend to be out more and they're more exposed to the sun. But the other surprising thing was is that nearly 60% didn't know that you can actually get vitamin D from food at all, which yeah. obviously as a dietitian is something that was of huge interest to me. And there 
there are foods that are fortified with vitamin D. So you have some foods like fortified breads and fortified dairy products and, of course, fatty fish. So things like salmon um, and mackerel and herring would all be high in vitamin D. So if people were able to increase their dietary sources of vitamin D, as well as during the winter months mm. to take the supplement of vitamin D, then we wouldn't have the, the incidence of deficiency of vitamin D that we have in yeah. Ireland. And it sounds and like then yeah, you mentioned those good foods, um, oily fish, uh, trout, mackerel and salmon, um, eggs, I think as well. Does that yep. sound then there might, there might be a, a challenge for people who are vegetarian or vegan around vitamin D? Absolutely. And that's where something like, you know, sort of the... Um, the, the government at the moment are sort of saying, no, we don't need to take it all year round. Whereas the researchers into the, the COVID pandemic are saying, look, the evidence is quite strong that anybody who has a deficiency of vitamin D actually does worse um, in their both their, their getting it, the severity of the disease and the treatment of disease. So they're recommending to try to make sure that people are not deficient in it to begin with. And that's where the controversy is arising. Yeah, and what about another thing that just occurs to me? You, you did say that we can make um, vitamin D ourselves quite well enough yes. if the sun is high enough in the sky and that's during yeah. the summer. Um, do, do, do using sunscreens, which we're all encouraged to do, does that block our body's ability to make the vitamin D then? Um, that's also a debate and, um, ah. and some researchers will say that it does block it and other researchers will say that it doesn't block it. Um, so I suppose the, you do have to use the sunscreen because obviously we don't want uh, to get uh, increase the incidence of skin cancer. But uh, you know that usually that the, some evidence is saying that in actual fact you can still absorb the vitamin D even if you're wearing right, sunscreen. So, the so, out on that one. so but how indeed, so coming back to the supplements, I mm. mean that's why the 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 researchers and all the uh, COVID-related uh, illnesses are basically saying, look, everybody should be taking a vitamin C supplement at the moment, all year round. Yeah. And I'm saying as a dietitian, well, then you should also be looking at the fortified food products um, like your dairy products, like your yakolite and your fatty fish and your fortified breads. Yeah. So we should be looking at the food sources of it and encouraging those, but as well as taking the vitamin D supplement. Yeah, and I suppose well that's all um, that, that that information is all available on food labels. How do we know if we have enough vitamin D, Mary? It, it sounds like it's, it's, can, it's can a, only be it's told a blood through. test. Yes, yeah. it's a blood test. All right, and um, one in eight are known. One in eight in Ireland are known to actually have an actual deficiency of vitamin D. So that's quite a high level. Mm. Um, that's that's actually known of. But sort of look, most people don't get their vitamin D um, tested unless there's a specific reason uh, as to why. Um, and where they're looking at the higher incidence of COVID among the obese population, the ethnic groups, um, and the ones that are deficient in vitamin D are going to be added into that uh, category. Mm. So um, if we do take supplements, and as you're saying, the recommendation is that most of us, certainly over 55, should be all year round. Yes, um, yeah. How, uh, how, how much? I mean, so I actually was at the pharmacist just the other day, and there was a box of vitamin D tablets just on the, on the desk in front of me, right at the cash desk. Um, so this kind of prompted me to have this conversation. So yep. how do I know um, how much supplements that I, that I actually need to take? Well, that, that is something that you do have to be careful about because it is a vitamin D, it is a fat-soluble vitamin. So 
you can store it in the body. Um, but usually in the levels that you're going to get in the supplements, you'd want to be taking an awful lot of them. So you check with your pharmacist what's the recommended dosage of the actual tablet that you're going to take. But usually we're, we're sort of recommending about 20 micrograms per day at this particular moment in time. And so you really just look at the, the, the particular the product Absolutely. and talk to yeah. the pharmacist and see like how much of this do I need to get my exactly. 20 micrograms. Yeah, exactly. And the obvious follow on from that one, Mary, is can we can we actually take too much vitamin D? And if so, like what are the implications? Um, well, as I say, it's a fat-soluble vitamin, so it will be um, stored in the body. So if you take too much vitamin D, uh, your hair could fall out. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, no problem for me. Um, but uh, yeah, you, as I say, you'd want to be taking an awful lot. I mean, I think up to the level of 100 micrograms is considered non-toxic. Um, not that I'd be recommending anybody to take that level, but you know, as I say, that you take one tablet a day and that usually should be enough to give you and then fortify your diet as well as well yeah so it's I mean, a complicated yeah. enough thing to try and yes it a, is to try a, and get, you know, get it in get the it body just absolutely about right. yeah. that's right yeah, yeah indeed but it, it doesn't seem as if that um you know that, that, that people would maybe perceive anything very immediate around being deficient in, in vitamin d so it's no, kind of again harder to respond that's right and as i say 44 percent of the population didn't even know that vitamin d had any role to play at all in the immune system so i mean that that knowledge doesn't seem to be there that in that defense against infection and recovery from COVID, that vitamin d is a huge part to play in that yeah. Um, can I just close just by asking you one particular question of a specific interest of my, of my own, um, Mary? Um, I, I'm involved in a charity with people, for people with um, MS and of course there's been a big long established kind of potential links between incidence of MS and, and um, vitamin D levels and in general though I suppose for people who may have um, compromised immune systems are there, are there any specific other recommendations or additional recommendations that you would suggest from a dietary point of view? Um, for people in that kind of category? Um, obviously, your diet is going to be very, very important. And um, a, a diet that's high in polyunsaturated fats is part of the guidelines that would be given um, for people that do have MS. And vitamin D supplementation is also recommended for people who do have MS as well. Um, there is a lot of work ongoing and um, there's a very good uh, dietitian by the name of Connor Curley who is actually very involved in doing a lot of research into the role of diet and MS so I'm hoping that as as, the, as time goes by that we get very specific advice for people with MS but certainly in the immune system it's very very important to have such a wide variety of foods not to go on any mad crash diets or you do see some advice cut out dairy products or cut out gluten and all this this sort of advice um, but that isn't something that I would be recommending you should make sure that you have a very very well balanced diet to make sure that your immune system is working properly right, so that seems like generally good advice for the whole the whole population thanks very much indeed for okay, joining not us at here. All. Yeah, you're Dr. very Mary welcome McCreary. thank you Okay, my apologies. Seem to have lost a Morris O'Connor there for a second. Uh, well, I'm actually back, Mick. Sorry, it's a little bit of technical difficulty of the the desk here in the the Raidstown studio. But no thanks worries. anyway. Um, thanks for coming in there for me. Um, I could have very easily forgotten. Anyway, uh, thanks to Mary McCreary there. She was there was some uh, very interesting stuff going on uh, about uh, in, insights into vitamin D. Uh, she was talking about the sunlight side of thing. Yeah, so don't even think you can sit beside the window and get enough sunlight. You won't. Uh, that's one learning message from 
that particular conversation. Um, the, the length of your shadow is a good guideline. Apparently, uh, you won't start producing vitamin D by being out in the sun unless the sun is up at 45 degrees. And uh, my good brother, Colm in Dublin, who knows a lot more about these things, tells me that that will happen between uh, the first time the sun is that far up in the sky is the week after the spring uh, equinox, which is probably, I think, uh, 28th of March, if I'm correct. Um, you might see the sun at 45 degrees if there is sun at all. And the last time that that will happen would be the uh, week before the autumn equinox, and that would be the 14th or thereabouts of September. Um, so sometime in between then. So really, I suppose June, July, August is probably the good time for getting this out in the sun and uh, topping up on the vitamin D levels that way. Anyway, that's all we've time for on today's Kilkenny Today. Thanks a million for joining us. Thanks to our guests, uh, Mary McCreary there to Councillor Deirdre Cullen and indeed to Dee Murphy. Thanks to Mick for keeping an eye on the desk and making sure that we could communicate. And uh, thanks also to Anne Nolan for uh, helping me produce today's show as always. I'm looking forward to being back with you on Tuesday next. So do stay with us. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.